Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Oh, yes, indeed, David Olson. I had it all along. Shane McClellan. Had it all along, right on the old sheet of paper in the back of my mind. Shane McClellan, all the way, no question about it. Dot, dot, dot. Translated before the Chicago Bears picked him yesterday. I had absolutely no idea who and or what is Shane McClellan. But the beauty of the NFL draft is I started hearing about the guy, reading about the guy, listening about the guy. All of a sudden, I'm in love with Shane McClellan. Never heard of him before. But now that I've heard his intangibles, he might be the greatest player ever to play for the Chicago Bears. We'll analyze the NFL draft, got NBA playoff. That's right, play- playoffs? Playoffs? Playoff basketball. Sorry about that NBA playoff basketball starting tomorrow. We'll talk about all that. And mucho, mucho mas. Big guy in the coach. Big dog in the coach. Little bit of music, and then we will kick off for the 35-yard line. Yes, indeed. NFL draft. Uh, hopefully, Big Dog, I would like to make our show, not just today, but on a regular basis, very much like yesterday's NFL draft. It was quick. It was crisp. It was concise. It was fast-paced, but still had a little depth and drama to it. I enjoyed the broadcast. How are you, my friend? And what do you think of brand-new Chicago Bear? Shay McClellan, who, of course, I told you very often would be the first pick of the Chicago Bear. Which, uh, how many of those questions do you want me to answer for you? That's, I did throw a lot at you, didn't I? What, first of all, what do you think of the, the whole pace of the NFL draft? I thought it was very good. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, to be honest with you, there are certain times I think, like, clubs need to send a message to the player they're drafting. Like, you're our guy. We want you. Like, when uh, immediately after Riley Reef was picked by the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. now there was no hockey being played at this moment. Otherwise, I was watching hockey. By the way, I taped the draft. Uh, I the, immediately the the, the the Lions are like uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron to introduce the pick, and he stumbles over Riley Reef or whatever the heck he mispronounces his new teammate's name. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's coach, I hate when people mispronounce names, so. That bothers me. And then he's got his, he's his future teammate. He mispronounces the guy's name in the NFL draft. What a freaking joke that was, I thought. <laughs> hey, my big moment. Oh, he mispronounced my name. Like, if I got the NFL draft, it's Joe Redwowski. I'd kick a dude right in his face. I'd be like, it's an L. An L at the end. Is you're, that the first time they've uh, – I don't ever remember a player being brought in as a guest host for the uh, for I, a draft pick. I, like, he was just in New York, and I think uh, the NFL was like, hey, we have no problem putting – Megatron up here. Okay. You know, this is one of our. Yeah, you're right. I don't. I think it has happened, coach. It's not that big of a deal. But uh, so then immediately, coach, just like you're saying, the pace of that NFL draft they kept moving last night. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers ran to the booth, handed off their paper, and we're like, we don't need any trade requests. We don't need anything. What we need is an offensive guard on our horrible offensive line, David DeCastro. Yep. It literally was like Riley Reed, right? How yep. was his name? And then to uh, David Castro was picked about 10 seconds later. Yep. We didn't have to see Riley Reef uh, highlights at all because there was the next pick was going up. It was beautiful. David DeCastro. And I couldn't even get teased. It was hilarious. <laughs> DeCastro and, and Riley Reef both are a couple of guys that like to graze 
and eat. What do the horses and cows eat? Is it straw? I'm not sure what they eat. But yeah, something tells but, me the Steelers had both of those guys. They might have had both of those guys in a, in an envelope. And they're like, okay, they picked Reef. Go yep. give him to the Castro envelope. Yep. Seriously, I think it might have been like that at that point. They need offensive line help. When people think the Bears need it, the Steelers were ten times worse than the Bears were last year, which is yep. that, that's pretty, that's a Bears statement. passed up both of those guys who uh, were not expected to even be there at the draft choice. So they pass up a solid offensive tackle and just a road grader offensive guard, David DeCastro. Even as the name, he's got the look. He would fit in perfectly for the Chicago Bear, but they shock uh, a lot of people, Big Dog, including myself. I had never heard of uh, Shea McClellan. Apparently the Green Bay Packers, we found out, were quite infatuated with Shea McClellan. They were going to pick him, but... Uh, you know, I guess my first question to you, had you heard him? Have you seen him play even before you heard all the nice things being mentioned about him? Uh, don't forget, Boise State plays on Friday night uh, pretty much every single week during the uh, college football season. Of course, I heard of the kid. He was an All-American this year. And let, let's face it, with, when Boise State beating somebody 52-7, to seven, you know their defense must have played decent. It isn't just because Kellen Moore was swinging the ball all over the field and handing it to Doug Martin, who also went in the first round mm-hmm. yesterday to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But the kid, the kid can flat out play some football, coach. I did not want them to take him at that point. So if you can say you're happy with the pick, yes, they got themselves a really good football player. There's also really good football players still on the board. You, and you know who I wanted the whole oh. time. Oh. Oh, I was thinking about you. But were you watching hockey or were you watching the draft? No, on the no, pick? I from, I, I'm going to admit this. I, I'm going to admit from pick 13 all the way through, unless there was a commercial on, I was watching the NFL draft, okay? And I, that wasn't at the end of any hockey game. I remember I, yesterday's discussion, Big Dog, raving almost uncomfortably, quite frankly, about the uh, body structure and the intangibles of a Melvin Ingram from South Carolina. He's the guy you want outside of, uh, you know, maybe the two quarterbacks. He'd be the guy, number one guy you'd want for the Bears. I, I, I said I would pick him third in the draft. Yeah. I said I would pick him third. And all of a sudden I'm seeing pick nine, ten. He's still available. Eleven, still available. Twelve, still available. Big dog getting excited. Thirteen, hey, fourteen, fifteen. Turned into an auctioneer all of a second. 15 uh-huh. picks still available, 16 picks still available, 17 picks still available. One left! One left! And they picked Melvin Ingram, and I was thinking about you. Describe your reaction physically and emotionally as you saw that pick being made. When Okay, first first and foremost, I I had everything backwards in my mind, okay? Because I, I thought the Titans were picking right before the Bears and the Chargers were picking right after, Okay. So, like, when the Seahawks picked number 15 and they took Bruce Irvin, and we were all in the room, and we're like, Ingram's going here. This doesn't make sense. He's been the best player on the board for the last, like, eight picks. What, did somebody find out that he tested positive for weed or something like that? I'm trying to figure out why he fell to 18. I can't explain that at all, but that's fine. The Chargers got one of the best players in the draft. But when Bruce Irvin got picked instead of Melvin Ingram by the Seahawks, my it erupted in my house because we were like, nobody else was going to take. We didn't, And then all of a sudden we forgot the Jets had traded. They were like, oh, no, the Jets are going to take him. And the Jets decided to take the kid with all the off-field issues. Quentin Copels. And I was like, oh, they're like, they're going to get him. And all of a sudden when the Chargers came up, I, 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 everything backed out. I'm like, you know, the Titans to take a wide receiver. And it got quiet. I'm not kidding you. Not a, not a word could have been 
was uttered for like 30 seconds while the Chargers were about to pick because we were about to erupt. One guy in the room keeps on screaming, Chandler Jones! Because he's a big John Bone Jones fan, <laughs> who's the like, heavyweight champion. And you know, I'm sitting there like, you know, I would have no problem with that pick actually either uh-huh. because that dude's such a hard worker and a good character guy. The worst thing you're going to get is a good defensive end who's a good teammate and works his butt off, and I can handle that. Yep. Good well, football uh, instincts, apparently, uh, you know, and a good motor. The guy can run. We're talking about Shea McClellan, but apparently, big dog, when you take the shirt off, he does not pass the eye test. Upper body, not all that impressive. Does that does that bother Chandler you? Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Oh, I, th- I thought we were talking about Shea McClellan. Oh, when we got there, oh no, I was still. Uh, when, but when the when the next pick, when, it, when Melvin Ingram got picked by the Chargers, it was bad. And then McClellan goes, and when Chandler Jones is still on the on the board, I was I was unhappy at the moment, to be honest with you, because I, I was like, we don't need a, like a steady guy. We need a guy that could end up being great. But yep. to be truthful with you, the, the, the 100% truthfulness in this, right now Kyle McClendon's is ready to play in the NFL as pretty much mm-hmm. anybody that was picked in the first round. And that might have been one of the reasons why they picked him, because as we all know, uh, you know, it's not wait till next year for the Chicago Bears, an aging defense in particular. So maybe they pick a guy, uh, you know, dearly departed Jerry Angela with the old ceiling high. Well, maybe his ceiling's not quite as high, but here's a kid who could come in and play right away. And that was a necessity for the first Ray Emery draft. Yeah, it, it truly was. And I, I, I'm not going to get anything. I, I'm not going to rip on a young man that has done everything right so far in his life and his football career. Except work oh, out on his upper body. Well, people, yeah, people, I'm not really worried too much. If you play football with your upper body, you end up on your back, people. I like a, play personally, I can't speak for, I can only speak for myself and 68% of the females out there. I prefer a defensive end with his shirt off, uh, you know, has some muscle. That's just you me. know what I want? I want my quarterback to look like Cam Newton. Oh, what? Not every quarterback looks like Cam Newton. Well, I better find one that can deliver a ball to the wide receiver <laughs> successfully. You know what I'm saying? I, I hear you. I and hear you. So I, I want my I want my defensive ends to look like Julius Peppers. Oh, well, we have a defensive end that looks like Julius Peppers. So I'll take a couple other guys that might not look perfect. <laughs> yeah. By the way, two words. To look like Brian Urlacher. My corners to look like Charles Tillman, six foot three, long and lanky. They've got all these prototype players off yeah. the field. Let's get some dude that you, you, you put the Energizer Buddy uh, uh, thing in, you crank yeah. him up a little bit, and let him fly around your defense. Yeah. We still bit. got a lot more picks to come. Obviously, the first mm-hmm. round pick. You know, you, you got second, third, fourth round today. So many more picks to come. The story has not been told yet. Two words, Big Dog, that will not. We don't want him here in Chicago football, at least for the next week or so. And those two words would definitively be Dan. Can you fill in the second name? Hampton. Balzine. Oh, oh. Because I hate to tell you, Dan Balzine, when he was picked in the second round, the defensive end out of a smaller cow, everything they're saying about Shea McClellan, I hate to tell you. It was the exact same. I was all excited about Dan Balzine, and he became one of the great busts in uh, Bear football history. Do you, do you remember, I, I forget his name. He went to Florida State. He used to come on our show all the time. A football player? Uh, so football, uh, he was like the football expert guy. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris, Chris, uh, that means from the Bear Report? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I forget his name. Guy was bothersome. Well, I am not kidding you. He was in our uh, he was in our studio, 
And it was a draft day special right before. And I'm like, what the Bears need to do is they need to get Dan Bozine in the third round. <laughs> and he looks at me, he's like, who the hell is Dan Bozine? Because he, he's Mr. Football Expert, right? Yeah. Didn't know who Dan Bozine was. He comes back to that, he calls in. He's like, they picked him in the second. He's like, I'm so excited. He's like, no, nah. he's like, I didn't know who he was. What a pick <laughs> by the Bears. And I couldn't agree more. I remember how I was, I was begging the Bears to take him. Yeah. So let me let's you talk about disappointment, coach. You were happy after I was telling them to pick him. <laughs> okay, All right, talk so about embarrassment. Hang out the face every time somebody brings that up to me. I always remind yeah. people that I was screaming to beg Devin Hester. I was like, got to get Devin Hester. So more, more importantly, keep all pictures, posters, history, written material, Facebook, anything back in the computer in the bed that were that that Shea McClellan could come around. Keep all Dan Bozzi material away. From Shay McClellan. That's just my first that's, word of advice. That, that's a really, really good yes, idea. Thank as you a very matter much. of fact. Hey, by uh, the way, your guy Melvin Ingram. One comment on him because he was picked before the Bear, and I was thinking about you. And maybe it was because you spoke so highly of him that I had this reaction a little bit when you when he got picked. And I think uh-huh. he was in he was in the back room. I think he was there. He looked pissed off. He had that look, big dog. Like, all right, you know, I'm a little bit happy. But you know what? I'm the best damn player in this whole draft, and I'm going to prove every one of these sons of a guns, players and guys who picked ahead of me, that you're going to come back to this day and regret. He had that look, big dog. And again, maybe I was influenced by your comments that he just, he he was not happy being selected that late because I think he thought he was the best player out there. And then I watched some of the tapes and highlights of him. Uh-huh. But but I just had to throw that out there because I, I could be completely wrong, but that look the reaction to me he certainly was not jovial okay yeah, we'll, we'll we'll end my melvin ingram love after after i say this but so i keep on saying melvin ingram melvin ingram and so cloudy gets home and he's like yeah no joe you want melvin ingram and then he sees melvin ingram on the television just what you're talking about yep. okay because cloudy wasn't here during this whole build up to who we we're getting picked it was a bunch of other football jokesters that showed up at the house and so he's like, all of a sudden, Claudie's like, that's the guy. I'm like, what are you talking about, Claudie? He's like, that's the guy with the hips at the combine. You should see the way this guy moves. He says, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Claudie, that's Melvin Ingram. He's like, it is? <laughs> and he just started laughing. He's like, that's my guy. I wanted him all, like, after I saw the way the guy moved. And then they show the highlights right after that, and his mouth dropped. He's like, yep. that, he was making plays like that yep. all season. So forget the combine coach. The dude was the best football player on an SEC defense yeah. that was the best in the history of the school. I just I just thought yeah. it was interesting. And again, I could have totally misread it, but that's the look that he had. I don't think it was the fact that he was disappointed he was picked by the San Diego Chargers. He was just, I think his competitive instincts were being played upon, and he was just mad he was not picked higher up, and he was ready right then and there to prove a lot of people wrong. I thought that was interesting. Um you know, you mentioned the highlights. One thing I found kind of humorous is they show the Shane McClellan highlights. And, uh-huh. you know, usually they'll show four or five clips, and you're like, wow, that running back's unbelievable. Look at that offensive tackle. He's just blowing people away. Defensive lineman. Well, quite frankly, the Shane McClellan highlight tape, it wasn't exactly awe-inspiring, Big Dog, compared, compared to some of the stuff we saw before. No, no, I, I completely agree. You compare his highlight yeah. tape to – to like uh, Morris Claiborne, or right. so, so that, he doesn't you know, have that wow factor. Look, look at Chandler Jones, the guy that uh, the New England Patriots picked. When New England came, they traded up. 
they 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 ended up with 750 picks somehow because they kept trading away their first round picks the last couple of years because they're like these guys <laughs> won't play for us anyways. That's the truth. They're like they won't play for us anyways, and when we trade down, we're going to get a guy that can only do one thing, and that's all we're going to let this guy do anyway. So we'll pick him in the fifth round, and they'll play ten plays a game for us. Well, when they traded up for Chandler Jones, everybody in the room got sad, like who they're going to pick. And when they picked Chandler Jones, we're all like, okay, so Chandler Jones is going to end up being a superstar. Just Isn't that funny? Like, if if the Bulls draft you in the NBA, you know you're going to end up being a good player. Mm-hmm. If the Clippers draft you, but up until this past <laughs> two years, you're like, oh, he's a bust. Yeah. Well, if he gets drafted by the Patriots and people are questioning, like, you know, does he have the size? Does he the experience? Immediately, they're like, oh, no, he'll be a success. Isn't that hilarious? Just immediately. Yep. Bill Belichick likes you, so you're going to be a good football player. Yep, there is, there is that reputation. Probably some truth to it, too. But, uh, yeah. yeah, there is there is that uh, instinct. So there's definitely truth. In, there's truth in that because it seems yep. like he's usually right. Yep. 888-463. I apologize. I haven't put the phone number out. Anybody listening, you want to talk about the NFL draft from yesterday, we'll get to a little baseball, NHL, hockey, couple of game sevens, and the NBA playoffs of the Bulls finishing the regular season. So we got to get to all that. 888-463-6748. The phone number, Big Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Big Dog, another part of the um, NFL draft that I enjoyed. I mentioned it was crisp and it flowed along very well. The teams made their selection. I thought Roger Goodell, you know, normally the players will come out and, you know, shake hands. Maybe there's an arm around the back. He went full-fledged bear hug, two arms around, like a long-lost relative you haven't seen for 10 years, with every player, and the players were not uncomfortable. Here's the part I found curious. And Roger Goodell, a big man, by the way, that's a hell of a bear hug. The players, I don't know if you noticed it, but it wasn't like they were you know, kind of shying away. They responded, almost like they had this long, tremendous relationship with Roger Goodell, I'm assuming they don't know each other that well, but uh, the Roger Goodell bear hug with each player, I found fascinating, if not somewhat titillating. You know what? It, at least it <laughs> went with. It, it goes with the image the NFL is trying to sell on, on, on a few things. Uh, they're trying to build the draft up to the day that dreams are made. A bunch of African-American kids that can run like the wind and are gigantic finally get the pay back their uh, their single mom who's taking mm-hmm. care of them for the last 20 years. I mean, how many of those stories did you yep. see yesterday? Going, Good told point. You, I watched all the pre-draft coverage. I swear to you, there were 10 of those stories. Yep. I'm paying back my mom. So, you know, if, if, if stuff like this is going on, you know, you hey, well, it's your dream day, young man. Guess what? You're getting about $15 million guaranteed, and it's slotted. Here's mm-hmm. a hug. You should hug me because this is guaranteed money, young man. Okay. Okay, and then and then the other thing is this. They're trying to build the NFL as a fraternity. Like, yes, I'm a Chicago Bear and you're a Green Bay Packer, and I want to beat you down. But you know what? I'm not going to put a $1,000 bounty on your head. I'm not going to try to take your knees out. I'm not going to hit you when you're defenseless. But trust me, I'm going to beat your ass. So I think that, that plays into it. Okay. Hey, I could hug you, but trust me, when I run into you, you're not going to like it. You know, that's that's... If the NFL is trying to build that image, that mm-hmm. Roger Goodell bear hug fits in perfectly with what's going on. Interesting. Did, did you take notice of that? And no, from- I, I, I did five minutes before you, uh, you we got on the air because the ESPN's not top ten was on, and they were making fun of people. 
<laughs> and they were making fun of the fact that Roger Goodell hugged people last night. Yeah. They thought it was the most embarrassing moments of the NFL weekend. And I'm like, are you serious? ESPN is a freaking joke. They sit there, and all they do is build up that we're selling dreams, and look at all these uh, all these kids that are, went from poor to rich. and Oh, and then they make fun of the draft afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, please read my tweets from yesterday, people. This year, man, Twitter, Twitter or whatever, at this year, man. Coach, is, you know, you always ask me about mock draft. Well, my Twitter account yesterday, everybody had their mock draft. So I put the hashtag mock draft on there, mm-hmm. and it said mock draft. Okay, I'll mock the draft. And then I said something really bad about the draft. I have about 20 <laughs> of them on there. Those were retweeted by dozens of people. So I, I kind of started a trend yesterday. People started mocking the draft with hashtag mock draft. All right, now, again, I'm new to the Twitter world. If I want to recap some of the uh, entertainment value of this year man's tweets yesterday, can I, as a consumer, read some of those? Oh, yeah, you could just directly go to my page Uh and just hit my tweets and just read them back. Now, one out of four is, like, a legitimate, like, oh, you you better be watching the the uh, Rangers-Senators game right now because there's two minutes left and it's a tie game, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But three out of four are just flat out making fun of people, Coach. Mm-hmm. I tweeted somebody, it was some, some sports guy. I'm just getting into the whole response factor, but some sports guy yesterday, uh, you know, tries to make a headline news. NFL uh, Pro Bowl game might be canceled. I tweeted him back and said, in related news, a tree just fell in the forest. <laughs> no, see, that's great. Thank you that very is, much. That is perfect on, on Twitter. It cracks me up. Some guy sitting on his couch, like, I, I love the fact they're like, oh, Cubs tied 1-1 in the middle of the fifth. Yeah, I'm on my Twitter account trying to find out the, from you the score of the game because I couldn't find it out on every other source of ESPN, <laughs> MLB.com. Yeah, I'm on Twitter trying to, hey, forget, forget MLB.com that I've paid uh, $15 for this whole year. Uh-huh. I'm going to go to Twitter to find out if the Red Sox are beating the Mariners. You know, what the <laughs> heck is wrong with people? All right. Again, you can check out the uh, Big Dogs Twitter account of This Year Man uh, and a Facebook page also for This Year Man, correct? Yes. Yeah, and thisyearman.com, Coach. And you got some blog writing, which is uh, grammatically correct. Very impressive for no, a jock like no, yourself. It's not, no, it's not, no, it's not, Coach. You yeah, have no is. idea. No, whatever. Whatever. I, the amount of abuse I have taken from people because, you know, you, Mr. Oh, it doesn't. Children don't need to learn grammar. If they're bad at it, it's okay. Well, guess what? When they're bad at it, 25% of the world is willing to point out and taunt you over it. Yeah. So I could, and so I used to say, no, I don't agree with you, Coach. I'm emphatic well, about it I, now that I've actually tried to write. I would tell that 25% that bothers to reply to your uh, you know, deep and thoughtful comments, <laughs> worried about some freaking grammatical error. To, well, a, I've got to tell them two things. A, get a life, and B, Go up to Ohio and see if you can have dinner with Dan Bowzine. Those people have no life at all. Well, well, Coach, I just want to let you know something. I wrote them an emphatic letter, and I was pointed back out by them that I needed to add uh, an exclamation point oh. to the last F-U that I dropped them. <laughs> now, that's the kind of grammar I'm talking about. Okay, that's something. They, they were right about that. I didn't need an exclamation point. They said I didn't give it to them. Oh, goodness. 888-463-6748. Dog and the coach with you up until 11 o'clock. A lot of stuff to get to, Big Dog. Any other uh, comments on the draft? Andrew Luck, Griffin taking 1-2. I know Trent Richardson moved up to the three spot with the Cleveland Browns. I love Skip Bayless. I'm uh, just watching up on ESPN. He goes the pick of uh, Trent Richardson. 
and Brandon Whedon, the Browns have now just jumped up to a seven and nine team. Or yeah, that's uh, I think I think that pretty much sums it up. That's yeah. that's about but, what the Browns. The Browns will be a really tough team to beat next year, and if you don't play good football, you'll lose. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I'll say about the Browns. But the top top They're picks pretty much stayed in line. Matt Kaleo, the number one offensive tack. Justin Blackman, a little bit of a surprise. He goes to Jacksonville, and then the Cowboys. When Morris Claiborne was available, they uh, they were doing hieroglyphics over there, and they traded up to the sixth spot. But any uh, before we move on, any other surprises up near the top of the draft, Mister Big Dog? No, the way the players went, not at all. It was just crazy. All the different trades. Remember, we were like, "Are there going to be trades?" Wow, how many trades were there? Uh, there uh, to me, there were no surprises. Just the simple fact that after all the trades, it, it seemed like no. The fact that Melvin Ingram fell, we already talked about that. That was just like dramatic to me. I couldn't believe that was going on. Bruce Irvin getting picked by the Seahawks. Everybody else in the top ten seemed to go. Ryan Tannehill is in a really, really, really bad position. What the Dolphins should have done is tried to trade down in the first round. Because if the guy's the eighth overall pick, Coach, the best way I can tell you is he's going to be expected to play from day one, and he's not ready. And I have no idea if a guy is not ready, whether or not he's uh, able to have his helmet handed to him 16 games a year and deal with it. So I know that's the least of the surprise. Everybody said that was going to happen, but right, I, I still didn't believe they would do it until they did it, and I'm like, the Dolphins have just screwed over their organization for another year. Hmm. So, uh, and uh, But besides that, I mean, that's really the only surprise. The, the there was more trades than I thought that was a surprise. How about then, uh, a little bit of a surprise? Illinois' very own A.J. Jenkins called on the first round. A surprise to him, his family, and definitely his Aunt Emma. Uh, just to let you know, I, I, I like. I thought he went in the right spot. I liked him more than uh, than uh, Whitney Merciless. So I keep on. I almost keep on calling him his older brother, Winston Merciless. Let's do it, but. The point is, the guy had one good year. Both of them had one good year. But I, I would say Jenkins is going to be a better professional football player than, mm-hmm. than Merciless is going to be. Yep. So, uh, and, and I guess the thing is, that when you hear that the Patriots start trading up, they never trade up. So when they trade up and they select somebody, you're like, oh, no, they did that twice. And think about this. They took uh, they took Dante Hightower instead of Courtney Upshaw. They, they had two Alabama guys. They both play similar positions. They're both linebacker, defensive ends, can do anything type guys. One was the ultimate playmaker at Alabama in Courtney Upshaw, and the other one was the Dante Hightower, who was more of the leader, hard-spoken, yell at you, get everybody lined up guy, but he made half the plays that Courtney Upshaw did. If you look at him on film, Courtney Upshaw is all over the place, Coach, and he's the best freaking defensive player in the country outside of Melvin Ingram. And uh, it's just it's funny that the, and the Patriots traded up to take a guy that people had lower down on the on their on the ratings mm-hmm. list. If you know, at least the so-called yeah. experts on NFL Network and on ESPN, they were like, "Wow, we had so many other players ahead of this guy." Yeah. But like so you said, with, when it's the New England Patriots, it's like uh, the writer who's got poetic license. They had that automatic feeling from the fans, like us, ooh. Well, they must know something, and that's uh, there's some legitimacy to that because they've certainly gained that respect from over the years with their uh, draft picks. 
At any rate, Big Dog, uh, we got the NFL draft. We'll talk more on Monday and Tuesday. Always entertaining, always fun. Don't forget some of the best players are taken in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth round. So don't overrate round number one, but it was no, good. No, 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 but no good players are taken in the eighth round. Is there only seven, seven rounds? rounds? There's only seven rounds. All right. Well, there are good players. The eighth round, also known as free agency, you can pick up some good players in free agency. Oh, oh heck yeah. One of the best shows you will ever see on the NFL Network. They do like these hour-long top ten, yep. top ten free agent players in the history of football. There you go. Your mouth will just drop. You're like, what? Nobody took a chance on him. The greatest defensive player uh, before LT was a guy by the name of Dick Night Train Lane, and he was a free agent. So Overrated. there's some good players out there. Coach. Overrated. Who else? <laughs> oh, let me. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Warner. <laughs> Huh? Hey, Kurt Warner, oh. the guy won a Super Bowl. He's one of the greatest. Hey. He was almost every Super Bowl passing record. Free agent. He was an eighth yeah. rounder. I'm calling those guys the eighth rounders. That's my new nickname for him. Okay. Beautiful. By the so way, Northwestern's way. Jeremy Ebert, wide receiver, who uh, is a lot better than he looks, could be a quality eighth round pickup for the Chicago Bears. Just a little hint. If any of the Bears scouts are listening to our show, and people tell us, Big Dog, uh, I'm not saying that Ray Emery is listening right now, but. They're often as a couple of scouts for the uh, Chicago Bears, NFL teams, listening to our particular show, seeing if they can pick up some tidbits. That's what our yeah, sources and, tell and, us. And, and I'm surprised they actually listened to my yeah. Hester pick after I told them the damn design pick. Yep. That's why I'm, a, I'm, a, that's why I'm yes. still, uh, I still have shame over that. And if, if you don't mind, so we can end the – well, if people want to call 888-463-6748, uh, please, you know, go go right ahead and call if you want to talk uh, NFL draft with just somebody has already stole from you on Twitter, and it's about the NFL draft. My guy Kenny Maine tweets out, you know, there's still plenty of good long snappers available. I'm like, Coach, you said the same thing two days ago, Coach. So just to <laughs> let you know, you're going to be robbed constantly on that uh, thing, just to let you know. Yeah, I threw that out there a couple times. But you don't know the health of Patrick Manley, right? No, we don't. Yeah, you got to get a long snapper. Maybe not quite as important as a rush defensive end, but we, you know, I, I go to sleep at night worrying. You know, for 15 years I've slept well, knowing that Patrick Manley is the best long snapper. I think I can comfortably say this in the history of the NFL. Now he's injured, and I got to tell you, over the winter I didn't sleep as well, Big Doug. That security blanket of long snapping, it's not there anymore. I, 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 I see balls flying over Potlash's head. <laughs> the guy can't jump. Potlash just, you know, he's not a jumper. So no. it's got to be, you know, it's got to be naval high. <laughs> Uh, well, coach, if you don't mind, I'll, I want to switch to, to baseball. Okay. Let, let us not forget hockey and uh, basketball too. Well, no, I do want to end on. I do want to end on. Well, I do want to end on the hockey. Game that seven. Game seven. What about baseball? Uh, well, Phil Umber was coming out and pitching for the White Sox last oh, night boy. after his perfect game. Problems. And the White Sox had a promotion, and it was pretty cool. Like it was basically just. Any type of numbers that had anything to do with nine. So, like, tickets were all dropped either nine or $27, nine innings or 27 outs, I guess. And I, I don't know how many people came up with the The crowd looked pretty good from the little that I saw of the game. And even though the Sox were down 10-3 to three in the ninth, I still kind of wanted to watch it because with the Red Sox bullpen, you just never know. Uh, that's kind of, it's kind of a disappointment for Phil Lumber. You pitch a perfect game and then you give up nine runs the next time you go out there. But well, the bigger concern, it. Big Dog, is and the reason I went, uh-oh, is because of Mark Burley. Perfect game a couple of years ago, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I recall something like after the perfect game, 
Mark Burley going like two and five with a four point five ERA. Yes, he did. He had a trust me. I had Mark Burley uh, on my fantasy team. I don't know if anybody wants to hear that, but I yep. will attest to it. Yes, he struggled mightily yes. right after the. It's little, well, Mike Mark Burley struggling mightily is what I should say. So it's mm-hmm. not like Chris Bolstad struggling mightily. That could be uh, problematic. But, yeah, all the excitement of the Umber Perfect game finished off real quick. Boston knocking off the beloved Sox 10-3. to Four wins in a row for the Red Sox. Bobby Valentine able to take a deep breath. Kevin Euclid with the grand slam. And now the Red Sox look like Big Dog. They've righted the ship a little bit, courtesy of our beloved White Sox. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see. The one big game scoring a bunch of runs. This is a four-game series, isn't it? So, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what ha- ends up happening here. But the Red Sox pitching is so bad that until they do it for like two or three weeks, I will not trust their pitching yet until they do it like for like 15 or 20 games, Coach, mm-hmm. because two or three games of getting people out does not convince me because the first 18 games of the season, their ERA was over seven. Okay. So I- I'm not exactly ready to jump on the Boston Red Sox bandwagon. Because when you have an ERA in seven, when the average temperature in America has been 31 degrees all April, that's not good. Not a good sign, Coach. Baseball expert Joel Radwanski doing the baseball round-em-up, wrap-em-up. There were actually some interesting happenings yesterday in baseball. Let's go over them real quick. First of all, Seattle, the Mariners sweeping the Detroit Tiger 5-4. to four. The Tigers showing a little bit of a chink in the armor on the sweep over the Mariners, big dog. The, the White Sox go into Seattle last week. Their pitching staff shuts down the Mariners, and, and nobody was surprised about that. The Mariners don't seem to have that great of an offense. And then the Mariners go into Detroit, the favorite of the AL Central. They scored all kinds of runs in the sweep, but only 5-4 to four in Alaska, and they scored uh, 9 the previous day. They had like 7 the, the day before that. Mm-hmm. You just don't know in baseball. If you have told me how many runs the Mariners were going to score in a three-game set in Detroit in April, I would have put it at 11. And they, and they scored about 25. Bet the over on that one. Tampa Bay beats Anaheim 4-3. to A lot of brooms brought out yesterday. Sweep for Tampa Bay. Anaheim off to a 6-13 and start. It was dramatic fashion. Big dog Brandon Allen, who I know about as well as I know a bear first-round pick. Shea McClellan, Brandon Allen, uh, brand new to the major leagues, comes off the bench, pitch, hit, two-run homer in the ninth. Dramatic fashion for the Ray. Over the Angel on a sweep. Uh, coach, I, I don't know what Joe Madden knows, but you got a sinker ball pitcher on the mound, okay? And you send out Brandon Allen. I, I, you're right, I've never seen him. The first at-bat I've ever watched a kid play or was live watching the MLB Network yesterday because the afternoon game. Coach, this kid has the most vicious uppercut since Randall Simon. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Randall Simon, who I swear to God, with T, he put his, finger, his toes on the inside corner of the plate and then act like he was a golf swing on every single. Well, that's exactly what this guy did. He golfed the ball out of the park. If you haven't seen the highlight of this, it is vicious. It is hilarious. Randall Simon is the guy who uh, went uppercut on the uh, sausage in Milwaukee, correct? I forgot. I knew there was a reason why I wanted yeah. to bring up Randall Simon, and that was it. What are the? And he's not because I have two visions of Randall Simon. One is him smashing the, the – and that wasn't an uppercut hit when he smashed the Polish, by the way. It was an overhand, which was rare yeah. for him. He's normally the, up, the uppercut guy, like we were talking. <laughs> and the day that the Cubs uh, clinched, excuse me, when they won in Atlanta, and Randall Simon 
It's an 0-3. They won in Atlanta, and now they're going to the NLCS championship. I, I forgot how that ended for the Chicago Cubs. Yep. But Randall Simon's wife was was in arm in arm with him. Okay, and she's a cute little uh, porky uh, Puerto Rican girl. She's a little chubby, gorgeous though. Okay, and while Randall Simon's asking questions, she grabs a bottle of champagne from somebody, grabs it, and just starts downing it. Coach, I'm not talking about a little <laughs> sip. We're talking like a t- like she's chugging it. Uh-huh. I am not kidding. You. Like the camera starts backing out and got her out of the picture. They were like, "Oh my god, this girl was." <laughs> <laughs> So, Randall Simon, I hate to tell yeah. you, all I can think about is your wife chugging champagne and you hitting yeah. a sausage in the head with a bat. That's, that's how he's wrapped up for me. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm glad those are the two visions because it could have been worse. So, you know, one of the visions could have been Randall Simon coming out of the shower after one of the games because, uh, as best I can remember, Randall Simon, that would not have been a particularly good vision to have. And, and you, just like Rod Tidwell, he air dries, Coach. Yes. Not good. Yes, I'm not glad. Good. Only his hairdresser knows for sure. There was a... Uh, Almost a similar situation to the Randall Simon uh, Puerto Rican wife incident yesterday. I forget which player was drafted, but they weren't in the room. They were at home, but the camera was there. And the uh-huh. one girl was innocent. It was very, very innocent. Maybe the sister. I don't I don't think it was the girlfriend. It looked like a sister, maybe. And she was getting awfully excited, and the dress kept going higher and higher. She kept putting it down, but she wouldn't think about it at the time. But there was almost... Uh, a stage of undress during the celebration. might have been A.J. Jenkins, but well, one of the players, but a, a similar situation. But you'll be happy to know, was, Big Dog, was, she wasn't drinking champagne. When Whitney, when Whitney Merciless was Maybe. drafted and that, his sister jumped on his lap. Yes, that was it. No, no you, could, you could tell because you could tell who the girlfriends were and who the sisters were. Yes. the best way that I can tell you. Sometimes the sisters, well, no. And um, I all right, finishing up the baseball talk real quick. You got the Baltimore, the Orioles do it again. They sweep Toronto five to two. Big dog. They're still in first place, twelve seven. And Kansas City, the Royals, two in a row, two in a row. I kidded, but now I'm going to ask you semi, semi, non kidding. Do you think finally Kansas City started off as bad no. as everybody thinks they might be? Maybe that's a good omen, or they're actually going to be a decent team the rest of the way instead of the other way around, like it's been the last no, twenty years. Coach. Coach, they're going to win at a better rate than they have so far this year, and their offense is going to score a lot of runs. It's been it's been non-existent so far, but again, their pitching is just. It's, they were like they were crossing the fingers and be like, we're going to get good pitching. All these guys that we wasted all these high draft picks on, the Duffy's, the Hochevers, all these guys, and they're not good, Coach. I, it's 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 too bad, but I will promise you this: they're not scoring now. But in the like in the middle of July, if you face the Royals, you're going to need uh, five or six runs every single night mm-hmm. to beat them. Their lineup is is, is good. Their okay. lineup, but two games yeah. is nothing. And check this out, Coach. Last seven years, every one of the years, the Royals have had a ten game losing streak at least once during the season. That's consistency. <laughs> yeah, that's too consistency. Bad. So over the nationally, a couple of real quick games to mention of dramatic fashion. San Francisco, the Giants over Cincinnati, 6-5. to Chicago Cub a reliever Sean Marshall now the closer for the Cincinnati Reds. I didn't see it, Big Dog, but apparently uh, in the ninth inning with two outs, he throws a pretty good pitch, fully expected it to be a called third strike. They're starting to go in celebration mode. The umpire does not give him the call, and you know what's coming next. 
You know what's coming next. The next pitch, three-run homer by Angel Pagan. Did you see it, Big Dog, and how bad was the call? What a dramatic win for the San Francisco Giants. I I have not seen the highlights of this. I didn't know that Sean Marshall blew a save. I was just reading, uh, like, all the box scores last night when I was going to bed. I was like, oh, Sean Marshall finally blew a save for the Reds. I didn't know. I didn't know that the whole the whole strike call and all that stuff. Yep. I'll have to watch quick pitch today. Check yep. it out. Angel Pagan with the three run homer. Another blown save as the Florida Marlins had a two nothing lead. I think it was heading into the ninth inning, and their closer Heath Bell, who had already uh, blown a couple of games, uh, walk, walk, walk. Another walk. You kidding me? Four walks in a row, and now the score is two to one. He gets an out, and then uh, what's the kid's name? Kirk Newenheis who's in the top ten in batting right now, drives one to the wall. The Mets score two runs, and they win 3-2. to two. Another blown save by Heath Bell, Big Dunk. Coach, yes, three blown saves this year. I didn't know. I did not know he blew that game yesterday, to be honest with you. I, I, I did not realize that that's how they lost. But that's his third one at least already this year. Uh, last year, or two years ago, he was 48-50 of 50 for the Padres. He had two blown saves all season. 48 out of 50 is one of the greatest seasons you could possibly have yep. as a closer. That tells you how hard that position is. Now, he's in Miami, and he was doing the Dan Levitard Holly Questionable show with him and Poppy, and Poppy asked him how to, how to get in better shape, and he's like, just do what I do every day. I make love. And he starts talking about all this stuff, and I'm not kidding you. When he was doing this that day, Levitard got done was like, women weak in legs. And that day, he... Bell went out and blew uh, a save, and the mm-hmm. next day he blew another one. And and they they brought it back up to, like I told you, women weak in legs. Yeah. When, when you're successful, that stick plays pretty well. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when you stop uh, stop not performing well, all of a sudden that stuff comes back to uh, bite you in the backside. Yeah, doesn't it? Yep. You think you're funny. Yep. You think you're being funny mm-hmm. on TV. Like, you look like a fool now, don't you? Mm-hmm. All right, 888-463-674, up at kind of uh, 4-3, the phone number, kind of a miniaturized version of the baseball. Round them up, wrap them up, big dog. Uh, let's go hockey and then finish off with the Chicago yeah. Bulls, completion of the NBA season and the start of the playoffs. But yesterday we had uh, two more Game 7s. One of them went into overtime. You'll be happy to know at 5.30 this morning, me, cup of coffee, and uh, two overtimes worth of Stanley Cup playoff. I was watching the Panther against the devil at yeah, 530. Uh, Aren't you proud of me? I'm turning into hockey boy here. No, no, that's, that's awfully good. That game was on. That, that, there's nothing better going to sleep to play off hockey. So, uh, game seven, overtime. Yeah, no, that was wow. uh, awfully good. And Martin Brodeur, so while, while the game was going on, Coach, I just went on HockeyReference.com just started looking up his numbers. Yep. Oh, my goodness. That is one great, great goalie. So uh, Talking about Martin Brodeur. Yeah, Martin Brodeur. Okay. Hey, talk about the great goalies. He's in the picture, right? Patrick Waugh. I, I would have to say either him or Patrick Waugh. Dominic Hasek, Hasek, maybe. Goalies of all time. Dominic, Dominic Hasek. Kenny Dryden. Oh, Kenny Dryden for a couple of years was yeah. phenomenal. But so I think I... Dryden and Hasek were the best that any goalie ever was at the top of their game. Like when Dominic Hasek was in the mid-90s, nobody can get anything past him. But he was only good for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Martin Brodeur has been... He was, he was around before they invented ice in hockey. I mean, <laughs> the guy is old, coach. <laughs> for, uh, not quite 40, 39. Okay, that's still for... That's Very old. old. That's, 
really, really old. Very yeah. old, because you got to maintain that flexibility, you know, as well as I. Well, you basically, he's as old as you, Big Dog. Yeah. And, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, let us not forget of the two guys at a mic show, the Big Dog, Joel Radwanski's big 40th celebration party. We don't have a date yet, Big Dog, but I'm recalling, was it July or September, your birthday? It, it's, it's September. Okay. It's, I, I get, I, I'm really, really lucky. Because I, I don't know how, you know, it should only be like one out of every six or eight years, depending on the leap, yep. whether or not your birthday falls like on the, like on, like the, the Labor Day falls perfectly on my birthday, but it seems always like my birthday is always Labor Day, yep. like every single freaking year. Well, I only hope the bird of, bird of happiness will take a crap on your birthday cake this year. Thank you very much. That's, and I will say, right, I don't eat cake. <laughs> at least not the frosting in this case. I will say David Olson and Randy Myers, the guys who are uh, over here at the uh, TalkZone.com, I'm assuming planning the party, are doing an unbelievably good job of keeping things low-key and, and quiet about the celebration, Big Dog. They're that's, uh, that's, I, I'm not, sure they're going to do a phenomenal job about it. Nothing, <laughs> nothing has gotten out, not a word. I can't tell you one thing about the party. They're really keeping it secretive. Very, very impressive. It's good to know, Coach. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad I cracked myself up, if nobody else. All right. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, and I didn't see the Rangers-Ottawa dog. You can speak to that. New York knocked off Ottawa in Game 7. The thing I was so impressed about with the Florida-New Jersey game is when you go into overtime in the Stanley Cup, it's always tension pat, and teams tend to play defensive. This was Game 7. Huge. One mistake can cause. What I was so impressed with, Big is both teams in both the overtimes, they did not play conservative. It was up and down. They were checking people. They weren't afraid of penalties. Credit the referees for not going. It was hard hitting. It was fast skating, unlike you would expect to see. And that made it particularly entertaining, at least I thought. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. And sometimes they do go into the shell. And, you know, if you're a good hockey team, you should trust your defense and you should trust your stick handling, puck handling. And if you're not trying to score – Eventually, you're the one that's taking all the punches, and it's a lot harder to win that way. So, uh, if you know, if you're a smart coach, you you got to attack. You know, because if you're not attacking, you're going to get attacked. So, mm-hmm. uh, a good strategy by both uh, by by both coaches. And Dale Talon, by the way, is the coach of the Florida Panthers. And if think about if the Panthers general manager would have won. Oh, that's I thought he was general manager and uh, coach. No, I thought he was both. No, no. okay. Who's the coach of the Panthers? Couldn't tell you. But uh, I thought he was both. That's funny. Uh, but if, think about if if the Panthers would have advanced and gotten further than the Blackhawks did this year. People would have lost their mind in this city. The Panthers were horrible when Dale Taylor took over. I mean, they were abysmal. And he got – he was basically, Dale Taylor was fired because he didn't do paperwork right and right. they had to end up losing one of the, of the four studs that they had because they couldn't – they were all paid a little bit more than they should have, so they mm-hmm. lost one of the four. You know, if Buffalo's still here, maybe Dale Talon's still here. So, I mean, yep. And, and you're right, Dale Talon, he, he, was, he was a great player personnel guy. He was a great guy. The players really enjoyed him. It was the administrative part that John McDonough didn't like, and he just didn't fit. I actually heard an interview with John McDonough, pretty extensive, where he just, you know, again, he complimented what a great guy Dale Talon is, but just didn't fit. His mode, his comfortability of what a general manager should be, but but guys doing a phenomenal job. Came into a a Blackhawk organization 
had a bunch of freaking parties. Dale Talent builds a team around him, and then he pulls the rug out of Dale Talent. John McDonough has never built any type of championship. The Cubs were running to the ground underneath him. Yeah, they sold out all the time. The Blackhawks sell out, but they have nobody has ever won because of John McDonough. Who is he? Yeah, you're right. He doesn't fit because he isn't about the party and the stands. He actually wanted to get players on the ice. He messed up, though. You can't say he didn't mess the paperwork up, Coach, because he did. What, they didn't send it in on the right day? Yep. Well, you know what? All I know is that team was loaded with talent. And basically, you fired him and started to say, hey, look at me. I'm John McDonough. I brought in a Bowman. Well, they're boneheads. I don't know how. These guys, which made all these great decisions for years, all these players that they decided to go young with, none of them can play yet. So mm-hmm. there you got a bunch of superstars, Taves and Kane, with a bunch of freaking rookies. It's an interesting so, point. It's one that I had not thought of. The worst the Hawks do. If this goes for another year or two, all of a sudden, the magic uh, uh, surrounding John McDonough is not going to be quite as the, the aura will not quite be there as much. Because you're right, know, Dale Talon's the one who built be, the team. Yeah, McDonough should be exposed as an opportunist who was smart enough to bring in a bunch of former Blackhawks, and anybody would have done better after Bill Wirtz. Honestly, Bill Wirtz alienated every single every single sports fan with a brain in Chicago was alienated by <laughs> Bill Wirtz. Don't even get me started, Coach. You'll start defending him. You sound so bad when you defend him. Don't. The guy did not care about the average fan. He cared zero. The mister that did not care anything about the fan was him, and you're Mr. Fan Guy, so you can never defend him, Okay. Well, if you take over for him and all of a sudden you put an olive branch out to the fans, all of a sudden he's a god. Well, all I know is this. Yes, he brought the fans back because Bill Wirtz died. And every single president that would have been hired would have been able to bring the fans back after Bill, Bill Wirtz died. That was the easiest job in the history of sports was to be a better, to build a better relationship with the fans than Bill Wirtz had. Yeah. Coach, your youngest son would have been, uh, just as good as McDonough had it, no doubt. He would have been, hey, let's, uh, what should I do, marketing guy? Oh, okay, that sounds good. Do it. It was as simple as that. Period. Some against, against the grain comments by the Big Dog. Very, uh, controversial, if you will. Any Blackhawk fans out there you want to take issue or, and there's not many of you, but if anybody wants to give the Big Dog some support in that particular argument, 888, well spoken, Big Dog. 888. 888- Four six three six seven four eight. It's not an opinion you've heard very often in Chicago, but uh, as the years wear on here, you might hear it more and more. But eloquently done by the big dog. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. Let me make this comment on the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it will serve as a transition to uh, the NBA playoffs. Bulls Sixers twelve o'clock Saturday. Excited about that. And that is, you watch the Stanley Cups as you have, big dog. Round one. And many of them go seven games, and it is a grind physically, mentally, time-wise. And you feel like after playing it, you know, the season should be over. You forget the winning teams. They got to go right back to another series and, you know, right back to another another one after that. So you forget what a long, long grind, if you win, the playoffs can be. Oh, Think about the Rangers. They're the Rangers, you know, are taking on the Senators, and you know the Senators are not the Senators from a, a couple of years ago when they were just a scoring machine. And they're like, okay, we're a one versus eight. We need to hammer this team, get some rest for the next round, and they grind it out all the way to a seven-game series. And that, I mean, and those games were absolutely tenuous, just like uh, the, the the Panthers and the and the the Devils were. So it's always a grind, Coach. You, it's not, you know, the. Let's, Let's face it. 
I don't care what anybody says. You can say, both of us are going to say this, and we mean it. The Bulls versus the Sixers is not going to be a pushover. It's not going to be a cakewalk. But you know what? I, I, I expect the Bulls to win in four or five games. And I expect all four or five of those games to be extremely tough. But I think the Bulls should win at most in five games. And that's what I expect. Anything more, I'd be upset. And hockey, I don't care how good the Blackhawks ever would be. I expect seven games every single series when it's a hockey I have no idea why. I just do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting a differentiation there between the hockey and the basketball. And as the uh, transition into the NBA playoffs, finally, after the uh, – Shortened, but a very, very intense NBA basketball season. We get to play off basketball here with the, the Bulls. Big dog, the suspense has been off for a while, except the home court advantage. And we should mention the Bulls win yesterday. And let us not put this as a side note, but let's put it to the forefront right now. They do finish with the best regular season uh, record. So whatever happens in the playoffs, congrats to the Chicago Bulls. Through injuries, they finish with the best record in the NBA. That's impressive. Yeah, it, it, it is impressive. I don't care what anybody says. It's all about the ring. Yes, I'm going to say it doesn't mean a thing without the ring and all that. They need to win it. But I, I like the fact that the, the Bulls take the regular season game seriously. And uh, Thibodeau's motto, Coach, is this. Be ready. You know what his uh, playoff motto is, Coach? Be ready. Yes, that's the whole point. Yeah. The Bulls don't just turn it on in the playoffs. They have learned how to play hard. All these people, oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to turn on the playoffs. Yeah, the Bulls, the Bulls are going to have trouble in all the playoff series because they always play hard. It's like, what? What, oh, that girl, you know, she has a hard time being good looking because she's so pretty. I don't understand that because some of the dumbest analogies I've ever heard people say, this team continued to play hard all year, whether it was without Derrick Rose, with Derrick Rose, Lou Dang, all these guys. When Boozer was the only one, I think, that played every game. So I'm going to tip my hat with a great regular season, Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. 50 and 16 is like the equivalent of like 63 and, uh, well, maybe not that high, but like uh, 50 and 16 would be like 63 and 19. Yeah, minus like their, you know, their two best players, Derek Rose and Luol Dang, sitting out an extensive part of that time makes it even that much more impressive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're talking that they had like a, a more than a 61 season if they played 82 games. So yep. another great, great year. Yeah. And now we just got to get ready for the playoffs. And I, all I know is I hope that the Heat have a little trouble against the Knicks. Hopefully they play six games. You know, I doubt they'll play that many either. Uh, but it's, as a diehard Bull fan, I'm going to concentrate and enjoy every single series of this playoffs. I'm not rushing to see the Heat. I just hope the Heat have their problems along the way yep. as, as the crash course is about to happen. The collision course, that's inevitable mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference right now. And don't take it for a given because the Philadelphia 76ers coached, we should mention, by ex-Chicago Bull coach. He'll have a little bit of inspiration there, Doug Collins. Uh, that will add to a little bit of the intrigue of the series, but we'll be looking at uh, they got some good players, Andre Iguodala, Iguodala, uh, Elton Brand. They got the, the maybe the sixth man of the year, correct, in the NBA, Lou Williams, who, correct me if I'm wrong, Big Doug, first third of the season for Philadelphia. He was their best player. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about best player, but their leading scorer, coach. Their leading okay. scorer. That's and without and he was he's the one guy on the team that doesn't play in the complete team concept and. I don't mind having one of those guys a chucker, like just some guy like Bob McAdoo, mm-hmm. just going to come on next year. He's shooting. You're like, he didn't even have the ball. He got a shot off. How'd that happen? Yeah. 
It's okay to have a guy like that on your roster, okay. just as long as they don't mess up the flow of your offense. Thaddeus and, Young and uh, Evan Turner, the kid out of St. Joseph's High School, number one pick out of Ohio State, has turned into not a star but a very formidable player. So uh, good ball club. Good ball club. It'll be a nice challenge for the beloved Bull. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what Turner went number two to the Sixers that year after he was yep, uh, player second of the year overall that, pick. And we should mention, too, Ben Gordon, right? Isn't he a six? Oh, no, 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 no. Ben no? Gordon is a, is a piston. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. But uh, the the Sixers, you know, the one thing about Evan Turner is you're exactly right. He isn't number two overall, overall pick quality, but he's like the guard version of Shane Battier. Watch, yep. 10 years from now, he's going to be on a really good NBA team, and he's going to be averaging 12 points, six assists, six rebounds, and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, that guy makes a lot of plays to win games. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. But he'll be considered a bust by so many other people, you know, so. Plenty to enjoy over the weekend, Big Dog. And remember, as you're sitting around tomorrow, that uh, one week from tomorrow is the Kentucky Derby, which I know you're excited about. uh, Uh, The Kentucky Derby, it's the anniversary of the lowest moment of my life. (laughs) We can get into all that and more. Have a great weekend, Big Dog. Phenomenal job all week, my friend. You did, uh, you aced the test this entire week. I've been reading more, Coach. And by the way, look out for thisyearman.com. Go and read that stuff because I got a I got a John McDonough article that's going to be posted sometime this week, and I'm inspired. I want to rip them. All right, listeners, get out there and read that. This year, man, uh, we thank you for listening. Two guys at a MikeTalkZone.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Please don't be late.